Christmas, you gave me a fright. Oh, oh, where am I? How many times have I told you not to sleep in my car? When you said you were becoming a digital nomad, I was a little jealous, but I mean, this is just... Free and convenient? Sad and pathetic. How much have you even managed to sleep? Look at those great big mushrooms under your eyes. Those are actually mushrooms, aiming to be completely self-sufficient, breakfast included. Ugh. Don't knock it, with a bit of butter, garlic. Uh-huh. And where do you source those? Oh, you're interested. It's actually a bit of a botanical marvel. Oh, Jesus. No, 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 no. Forget I asked, man. Suits off. Listen, as you're here, maybe you could take some time out of your busy nomadic schedule and help me with something. I don't know, man. I'm pretty wrapped up with stuff right now. Sure, sure. It's just you're currently squatting in my car. So how about you hear me out? Go on, then. No promises. Well, I was hoping to deliver these parcels, you know, Christmas spirit and all that, but I noticed one of my brake lights is out. You know I'm a software engineer, right? It's like a philosophy PhD. Useless when someone calls for a doctor. Yeah, every PhD is useless when someone calls for a doctor. But don't worry, all you need are these. 5D6? Yeah, the broken bulbs just next to your left foot. Keep rolling those, you'll have it fixed in no time. Not quite sure I follow. Roll the dice, fix the light. What's not to follow? Oh, also, only one roll per day. No take backsies. But good luck, my friend. It's 12 days until Christmas, so plenty of time. And I'll keep checking on your progress. This doesn't sound like the most efficient. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Time's up. You finished yet? Just one more roll. I swear it's almost done. Hey, gods, I hope so. Looks like you're more mushroom than man. Sorry, got sidetracked. Thought I'd set myself up better for fixing the light with some more mycelial expansion. Then one thing led to another. These dice really are magic. Well, that might be the mushrooms. There's nothing magic about the dice. Two ninety nine. Games Workshop. Games Workshop. Look at those lovely little snake eyes. Wide and open. Trusting. As if to say... You're high as a kite. Must be the psilocybin. Merry Christmas, one and all. Okay, I'll be taking the dice back now. And I think we should get off the road. Get off the road! Close. Hey, where have you been staying while I've been toiling away in here for the last 12 nights? I live here. That's my house. Oh, so it is. Surprisingly, I actually have a permanent address. Why pay for a house when you have a perfectly good car? Well, for a start, there's not usually so much room in it. Desperate for that pun, weren't you? I was, yeah. What can I say? Oh, I know. How about, because I'm not Teo, I'm Ben? Well, you can have it. We both know I was the real fun guy in this intro. Because I'm not Ben, I'm Teo. And this is... Pixel Pixel Vision. Vision! Have we been playing, Ben? We've been playing, delightfully, in my view, Citizen Sleeper. Mm, delightfully, in my view as well. This is absolute cracker of a game. Christmas cracker of a game, I thought. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Obviously, we've covered a little bit of reaction there, but I think even preempting the reaction, we should say this is a big-time spoiler episode, isn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah. With a game like this, which is so narratively driven, as you'll find out, You can't really talk about anything without immediately introducing characters, giving a bit of backstory, who they are, why they're there, what they're doing there, all this kind of stuff. And as soon as you start doing any of that, you're just detracting from the experience of playing the game. Yeah, for sure. If you want to enjoy it to its full, just go and play it. 
because it's a heartily recommend from me. Yeah, a solid recommend from me. A solid, not even heartily. <laughs> solid isn't on our scale. All right, fuck it. Yeah, I'll give it a heartily. I'll give it a heartily recommend. <laughs> oh, good. A Christmas heartily, that is. <laughs> it's probably on offer, actually. If you go to the Steam sales, I bet you anything, those winter sales, they'll be mid-flow. I bet this game will be on discount. Mm, yeah. I'm calling it now, Tear. At least three weeks out. (laughs) (laughs) That's not even that expensive anyway. No, it's not. You completed it quite a bit before me. You also led me to believe that it was quite a short game, but it wasn't as short as I was expecting. Mm. You were like, you'll finish it in no time, but it took me a good 12 hours, I'd say. Really? Yeah, yeah. But maybe I'm a slow reader. (laughs) I know that I'm a slow reader. No, maybe it is that. I don't know. It's an interestingly paced game, full stop, but that's a core mechanic, so we should kind of reserve that. But, I mean, one question I will say straight off the bat, actually, before we even get into your tear monologue and stuff, Mm. is this is a game that, at the point I played and completed it, had one piece of free DLC that had already been added to the game. I then, today, in my classic, like, oh, yeah, I'll just brush up on the game before recording, because I always finish it so prematurely, logged in to have just a few cycles let's say uh with the dice and lo and behold well blow me there wasn't part two and i thought what i would definitely like to have completed part two of the dlc before recording this pod but alas i was only able to have a couple of conversations and then i needed to have this real life conversation yeah same experience as you but uh, that would had already been released by the time i got there so I, I have completed that section as well. But yeah, it's, it's quite lengthy, free extra story updates to the game, which is nice. Oh, cool. So you have completed those as well. Nice. So that means, actually, I won't ask you for a story spoiler on that because I've only just started it. I think, unusually, even though we'll have recorded the pod and arguably both completed the game, I think I'll probably keep playing it mm. just to get to the end of these episodes because don't, I don't think they take up that long of a time no. and they're really fun engaging like a good book yes like a good book indeed all right well i'll tell everyone a little bit more about it then shall i it's called citizen sleeper it's a narrative role-playing game i want to say point and click adventure but it's not really a point and click adventure it's more it's not at all a point and click adventure sorry to interrupt your term that's okay (laughs) no it's not a point and click adventure because you're not presented with scenes on a screen you're presented with options and different tasks to do which you complete with your daily dice or with different items in your inventory and stuff that bit's a little bit more like a point and click adventure but yeah that's not particularly interesting what is interesting is well i mean that is interesting but the other thing that's interesting about it (laughs) is the world that you get plunged into from the start of this game so you are a sleeper who like the title says, wants to be a citizen. So a sleeper is essentially a piece of corporate property. So the person that you were signed their life away to work for a corporation where their real body has been drugged and a fabricated machine clone of them has been made. But you have the same consciousness, etc., etc., as your real human counterpart. And so as this fabrication, you decided to escape your corporate enslavement, stow away on a ship, And that's where the game starts, basically, is you waking up as a stowaway on this space station called the Eye, which is a little bit like a halo ring, maybe, but quite a lot smaller. It's an advanced space station. And then you make your way forwards in the game from that point. As I understood it, it's meant to be kind of like in the far-flung reaches of the galaxy, isn't it? It's not like a sort of central, busy hub of the galaxy it's more of kind of a well it isn't isn't it's kind of like an island from what seems to be mostly a corporate controlled universe so the i the space station was originally owned by a corporation but they at some point fell and it seemed like the kind of union of the space station took it over and now it's sort of run in quite an anarchic way i guess it's not the center of the universe by any means but it's still a place where you can be a bit free from the universe it's interesting hearing you run through the your take on the plot which by which i don't mean to suggest that's not the right take oh it's just that's literally the very start isn't it because we'll get on to yeah yeah i just mean it's interesting hearing you run through that because 
as you said it, it made me think we've just done Hard Space Shipbreaker, mm. which was very similar in tone, at least, on the sort of union front, yeah. on the repressive authoritarian capitalist regime mm. that's kind of taken over in the future, along with the whole genetic cloning, signing yeah. away your life, etc., like the sleeper does. But also, and I know this isn't the first time I mentioned this on the pod, a Netflix show called Altered Carbon, yeah. which was a few years ago now and probably had a couple of series. But I think that would have been before this. I'm not sure if this is based on existing law, is it? I think the guy, the creator, Gareth Damien Martin, his name is, I think he just kind of coined it. At least when he talks about it, he makes it sound like he's drawing very much on his own personal experience. Yeah. So I, I would say he's been influenced by those other pre-existing franchises. One of the things I loved about it actually is how slowly and naturally the world is shown to you in this. Like it is really shown to you rather than told to you, which is impressive given the only way you're interacting with the game is reading text, reading people's dialogue, and then kind of looking at this graphically quite plain sort of space station with different locations on it, which you can click and interact with. Even your own history, you're not bombarded with like law or backstory about yourself at the beginning. It's kind of told to you through your own characters' interactions with other people. So, for instance, there's one person that you buy mushrooms from, <laughs> fried mushrooms. He's like a chef. And in exchange for some cooked mushrooms, you'll tell him a story about your life. And you could say that that was a little bit... Um, contrived. Yeah, contrived. But it doesn't come across as that at all. Because it only happens a few times, but it just comes across as like feeling like quite a natural way to find out about yourself. Maybe. I don't know whether I agree with you on this point, actually. I did find those kinds of contrivances a little bit heavy handed, but in a way that was forgivable just because of the nature of gaming. Like you've got a finite time. You need to introduce characters. You can't do it over six or seven series as you might with like The Wire or The Expanse, for instance, which is a bit more topical perhaps. Yeah. You can introduce characters and their backstory really slowly there. Whereas in this, it's like, okay, here's a character. This is why you're going to be engaging with them. And it does that quite a lot. Like you befriend at one stage a couple of characters, a guy and his daughter, or you find out isn't his actual daughter, but kind of, I guess, adopted daughter. Mm. What were their names? Lemon Mina. Lemon Mina, that's it, yeah. And... They literally, like, you meet them. I think you even just, like, catch their eye or something. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, in that very same conversation, he's like, can you, like, look after my kid for a while? <laughs> literally, like, the first time you've met kind of thing. That sort of collision between you and the other characters, I did feel was a little bit too much. And I also think that although you say it shows you the history and the kind of wider stories in the game, I actually found that if I did have a criticism of the game mm. it's that it didn't really utilize what it could have utilized by virtue of it being a video game so mm. it gave you a story on the right hand side in kind of the same way as disco elysium did yeah right? really similar right? especially in the sort of first person uh, not i guess it's not first person it's sort of second person isn't it you did this you did that you did the other mm. it kind of tells you in that way what's going on in your mind and what you're experiencing that all happens on the right-hand panel, like a mm. pane on the right-hand side where the text unfolds. On the left-hand panel is, by and large, just a static image, an illustration. Yeah. And it's usually a drawing of the character you're interacting with or a drawing of the ruin or, like, some mushrooms <laughs> or whatever AI you're communicating with. Mm. In that way, it's kind of just like reading an interactive illustrated storybook i think rather than you know utilizing the fact you've got as you would tease me for a graphics card <laughs> and a ton of other shit that could be like animating some of their descriptions like disco elysium actually did yeah i think that's fair enough and I, I thought the same thing i ended up not minding it as much as i thought i would i guess because the text is so engaging you end up just imagining it like you, you do a book so you're not leaning on on that graphical fidelity at all. If I wanted to make a little bit of a contrived <laughs> argument against it, I'd say that the space on the left-hand side of the screen and the space station in general being so plain gives you a bit of a sense of, like, openness and, like, an open expanse of the world, which, I don't know, like, loneliness, basically. It makes you feel, like, quite a, 
more alone in the world than you might do otherwise which is in contrast to the character models which are like cartoony sort of like what's that game we call paradise killer a bit like paradise killer like 2d cutouts like really well-drawn people but yeah honestly like the same as you i was surprised they didn't go in for more just a drawing like a nice scene of the shop or the market or wherever it is that you are that was surprising but it didn't detract from me i think that is true and i definitely buy the argument that you're afforded more opportunity to imagine as you do when you're reading a book through virtue of there being very little to kind of influence that imagination on screen. Yeah. Short of the character portraits. Yeah. And it's also funny that you mentioned Paradise Killer because, again, one of the things I was like, oh, it's a shame this doesn't do, which that game did do up to a point, is voice acting. The investigator is here. Yeah. You you meet really interesting characters and... Again, it's one of those things you're in a book, you have to imagine it because it's just words on a page. But in a game, you don't have to. You know, you can have people acting it out. And I feel like even if they only did, you know me, I wouldn't want them to do that. (laughs) None of that sort of stuff. But like in Paradise Killer, they just kind of had a catchphrase or maybe they read the first line of text. Mm. So you wouldn't have to have, you know, reams of voice acting you could just have something just to hint at the at the character of the person you're interacting with Mm. and to sort of really personify them in a way that actually the game's more spartan than that and just kind of restrains from giving you anything like that yeah i get the impression that the game was done on a bit of a budget as well like it definitely kind of had a big development team had the feeling of a game where you're like i could make this like i could have a crack (laughs) at coding this did you look up the number of developers i didn't (laughs) (laughs) I wondered if you were going to ask me that. I didn't, but I've got the feeling that when I took a photo, I always do this when I complete a game, I snap a photo of the credits and ping it over to Teo to be like, yeah, nailed it. Mm. And this time, I'm pretty sure there were... It wasn't just kind of one or two names. It was like a scrolling feed of credits. But, But that being said, certainly in all of the press about the game, in the lead up to it, Mm. it all seems to be with that guy that i just mentioned i think i think i'm right in saying that and not causing offense but basically we'll get onto it but one of the things about the game is because you are a sleeper you have this kind of sense that your body isn't your own and all that kind of stuff Mm. and when i referenced before that he was drawing on his own experience and writing the game he came out as non-binary so i don't know if i should be calling him he i don't know if that's right or they they it's usually the pronoun. Right, so there we go. And throughout the game, your sleeper is only ever referred to as they. Mm. And actually a lot of the characters, I wouldn't go as far as to say all of the characters are theys, but I'm pretty sure many of them are. I don't think it's very strict about his and hers. Yeah, there's loads of really prominent non-binary characters in the game for sure. And to be honest, the whole vibe is very fluid on gender, both in terms of like the character models and the pronouns which are used. So much so, in fact, that I stopped thinking about it completely. Like, I stopped really thinking like, oh, this character is a man or this character is a woman. I just thought of them as the person that that they were being presented as. Although some of the portraits are way less less ambiguous than you're making it sound. That's true as well, for sure. But I definitely, I don't know. It felt like a natural part of the world in a way that, like, it definitely isn't in our world. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Well, so they, the creator, mm. referenced their gender dysphoria mm. as being a key influence on the sense within the game that you do have that sort of bodily detachment. Mm. Interesting. As a result of being a sleeper, which I do think is pretty cool and maybe leans... And the reason I mentioned it before is because it maybe leans into what you were suggesting about how it feels like it's kind of a one-man... Uh, one... <laughs> Done it already. ...person. <laughs> For fuck's sake. I'm sorry, everyone. Kind of a one-person output. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Certainly driven by one person. Mm, for sure. It's that focus that you'd get from like a Lucas Pope game or something a unified vision for what they wanted from the game rather than loads of different ideas all like put into the mixing pot and maybe not <laughs> some of them better realized than others doesn't it yeah 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 i agree has that auteur feel to it but then speaking with regards to gender and their portraits and stuff like for instance you meet some characters one's called moritz and one is called bliss bliss yeah that's it and she is very clearly 
a woman in the portrait mm. and in the way that she kind of is written, I guess. And Moritz in his portrait is very clearly like a sort of teenage boy who's kind of... Kuno type. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe not yeah. quite Kuno. Well, he's not quite as rude as Kuno, but he, yeah. <laughs> he's certainly pretty sullen. Yeah, little punk. What is this song? They're really clearly defined. But one of the interesting things as a result of this whole detachment of gender from the characters, and I didn't realise this until retrospectively looking back at it, is that there isn't really any sense that there's potential for romance in the game. Mm. So as you're going through, you're not thinking, well, I wasn't thinking as I usually am in an RPG, oh, is this going to be a love interest? Is this going to be a love interest? Like, Mm. you know, you're sometimes looking for those communication options in the dialogue tree where you can be like, oh yeah, I'll lean into this person or whatever. And you don't get any of that to the point that I wrote that down before I later realised that actually I don't think there's any gender at all. Mm. I don't know whether that's a wider sort of comment about the role of gender within storytelling or not. Certainly within video game RPGs. I mean, it doesn't have to be Monster Prom. It can be anything, like like Dragon Age is a classic example, Bioware games. I, I don't know what you... That is, if you... Uh... Cullen, do you need to ask? I suppose not. I want... We're almost programmed to think like, oh, <laughs> most of, if not everyone in this game, at some point, maybe I'll be able to get with if I pick the right dialogue options. So yeah, completely subverts that. There's none of those dialogue options. <laughs> there are no dialogue options. No one in this game. <laughs> well, there are dialogue options, of course, um, but they're fairly nuanced. Yeah, although actually, yeah, let's talk about the dialogue options because they're not really options. I mean, I guess they are, but... Often they're presented as branching trees when they're not. Like, you can choose both. Mm. You know, they're always presented as branching tree in that sense. You can choose one or the other. But sometimes you'll get to choose the other as well as the the first one you pick. And other times you choose one and it disappears the other options. So you're no longer able to follow those branches. What did you make of the way that was forecast or not? Like, I was sometimes really indecisive not knowing which one I should click because I thought I don't want to cut off the other option but maybe it's one of those ones where I can just choose both anyway (laughs) yeah I'm not sure I think you're right they they don't seem to have a massive impact on what will actually end up happening although I think there are a few exceptions to that but what it does do is it does weave in your answers to their responses quite neatly so there's a moment I think where someone asks you where you're from and you say I'm not from anywhere and then a few pieces of dialogue later, she, you say like, oh, I'll see you around. And she said, oh, I'd say I'd see you around as well. But I guess you're not really going anywhere because you're not from anywhere or like something like that. But it was like quite neatly tied into neatly that. tied into something that I'd said like a few options ago. You do feel like somebody's responding to the thing that you've said. <laughs> I mean, the most obvious example of this actually is that there's nearly always the option to stay silent. And that'll always get a certain reaction from them about, like, your silence. Silent one, aren't you? <laughs> well, yeah. I Don't mean, say much, do you? <laughs> I mean, that makes it sound more basic than it feels. <laughs> that is classic RPG, yeah. can I just say? That's like, anytime you get the option to choose silent. I always think it's such a fencing option, isn't it, to say silent? I used to choose that one quite a lot, just to kind of, well, for that reason, to sort of sit on the fence and see which way the wind was going to blow in there scene Mm. but these days i don't know there's something kind of too passive about just choosing silence every time yeah i yeah i agree i mean i I ended up being quite a nice character in this game and your options aren't aren't like huge you can't be like completely off the wall but usually there's a like slightly meaner option (laughs) and a slightly nicer option and i tended to pick the nicer option for sure Mm. but the silent one is interesting though because sometimes there are characters who they don't really want you to say anything so it silence seems feels like the right choice for that moment. That's interesting you chose to 
be nice in this game because normally when we talk about these kind of games you play the evil bastard i know i was too i couldn't quite bring myself to be evil in this game because i like the characters so much but i actually think it's maybe not clear cut what evil looks like in this game either Mm. is it just a position that goes against the sort of cautionary morality tale that the creator wants us to lean into as in capitalism was bad it's left the world in tatters and Mm. this is what it looks like now post-capitalism a horrible place Mm. is evil just choosing the options that are like actually i quite like capitalism and i'm still gonna roll with it and i'm gonna you know steal money i'm gonna make the most of exploiting other people etc yeah maybe i just didn't find those those options as frequently for me the evil side of the coin in the game was more just being a bit mean and insensitive So if someone was looking for comfort, instead, just not giving it to them or something like this. Mm. Can you think of an example of where you can like leverage exploitation in the game or something like that? Well, there's one example of, for instance, this mushroom farm, which is growing a load of mushrooms and you can go there and just steal their entire crop. (laughs) Oh, that's true. (laughs) Multiple times until eventually they're like, well, they'll obviously spot you if you do it too often. You have any idea who you're stealing from? You and your friends are dead! But, yeah, that feels like it's a a sort of morally questionable action. But weirdly, the game doesn't really mind you doing stuff like that. It's kind of non-judgmental, isn't it? Oh, agreed, yeah. Because um, we should say at the beginning of the game, you start on the space station with nothing, as you can imagine. And there is a survival element to it. So you have your condition, which is essentially the, I guess, the durability of this fabricated frame. That you live in health is the way most people would think of it yeah health <laughs> <laughs> the durability of this fabricated frame <laughs> brilliant health usually in a video game is super super gamey whereas this it's very physical and makes sense for your character to have this thing which is decreasing over time because essentially in order to control you the corporation makes you dependent on the drugs that they give you and so as soon as your that drug supply is removed you're like rapidly deteriorating yeah which is definitely cool narratively but i do also think that we don't need to be more (laughs) generous than is the case like at the end of the day (laughs) the functionality boils down to you've got condition which is your health you've got energy which is fatigue or your stamina let's say battery both of these are quite like gamey mechanics there's a third one as well isn't there well i guess just your rolls themselves of which you've got five dice that you can roll each time yeah and we haven't even mentioned it yet, but these five dice that you get, which clearly the most gamey part of this game, like literal dice, which you can use to place on the different actions you can take in the game. And the higher the dice, the more likely that action is to succeed. Yeah, and actually, you say it's the most gamey, and it is the most gamey, but not the most video gamey. No. It's really un-video gamey to have literal dice. Like, sure, there are loads of games, RPGs especially, where you've got the D&D background dice rolls going on. Yeah all of the Forgotten Realms games, for instance. But it's really unusual for them to just straight up be like, here's some dice, you've got to roll them and the outcome will give you your your success or not. And it's another example of where this game, albeit presented to us through the medium of video gaming, is actually way more like a traditional game, a narrative and then some interactive dice rolls. Yeah. I must, for myself... Examine the reasons I left the comfort of Kaldahar for a journey to Deepingdale, the place of Isalore's birth. It is much like the assignments given to me by Uncle Oswald and Isalore himself. This must have been done before, but if it hasn't, I'm I'm basically surprised that we haven't seen this kind of mechanic more often. Because in board games, it's so fun. And some board games you kind of feel like a lot of Euro games anyway. You might be sitting around the table with your friends, but essentially you are kind of playing the game by yourself. <laughs> like you're rolling your dice, you're putting your dice on different actions to make an outcome. And like, yeah, there's some to and fro, but really you're playing the game with yourself. And this just takes that and says like, well, if you might as well be playing that kind of ball game with yourself, then why not have a video game that uses the same systems? You see, hidden within the unconscious is an insatiable desire for conflict. So you're not fighting me, 
so much as you are the human condition. It reminded me of... Did you ever play Sunless Seas or Sunless Skies? I don't think you did. No, I've been meaning to, but I haven't. In the Fool in London universe. It really did. That, they're quite board game. It reminded me of those as well. And Cultist Simulator as well, which I did a, a review for on the site. Right. Because that's basically a card game made into a video game. It reminded me a lot of both of those. Yeah. I've got to say, when no game started up, <laughs> I had echoes of uh, my... I don't know whether it's a famous line, really, but I was definitely thinking, as an unlucky person, I'm not sure how a game dependent on dice rolls <laughs> is going to play for me. But I think I did all right. Certainly seemed to have done all right in terms of my supply of chits, which is the in-game money, mm. which is pretty cool in the sense that it's kept on air-gapped USB sticks, so it's not connected to the network and can't be stolen. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That is cool. That is cool. It's because whatever dice you roll, you can always make the best of them, I think. So I never... Well, at the early game, there is a little bit of a struggle for survival, but quite quickly you sort of fall into a rhythm of the things that you can do with your dice. Aside from the story, that's where I enjoyed the mechanics of the game the most, is when I was having to think, oh, okay, I've got these dice all right so i'm going to do this one first just in case that doesn't work out so then as a backup i can use my dice here to go and get that yeah and that kind of logical thinking is is, is really rewarding and fun falls away a bit i totally agree and i totally agree it falls away especially towards the tail end of the game and i noticed it in the dlc just because by the time you're playing the dlc you've been playing the end game content for a while mm. and one of the things that i alluded to before is the forced pacing that the game introduces whereby there's an action that you need to do for instance or a person that you need to see you'll go to their location whether it's the greenway or the cordon or somewhere like that the low end yeah yeah. you'll go there and want to see that person and when you get there a little dial will pop up saying you'll need to come back in three cycles mm. and each of those cycles is a full set of dice rolls and then you go and sleep, basically. It's just a day in the game. Yeah. <laughs> and so it kind of imposes this limit on you and by the end of the game, I'd done everything. I had more money than I knew what to do with. Mm. I had loads of scrap metal so I could just constantly be repairing myself. I didn't even need to worry about mm. synthesizer. Is it synthesizer they call it? Stabilizer, sorry. Yeah. Stabilizer. Although I have plenty of stabilizer as well if for whatever reason I did end up needing it mm. so I, I actually didn't need to be doing any of these self-sustaining actions that the game hopes or kind of depends on you needing to do in order to justify their pacing so instead I was, I was kind of just treading water clicking end cycle end cycle to get to the next story beat and that towards the end of the game especially feels like you know in a great comedy and I'm thinking of Shaun of the Dead here it starts it's so funny and the sort of gag rate is high the mood is high and then because it has to follow a dramatic story arc it reaches a certain point where those things have to taper off in order that they can just quickly tell the story and round it out mm. and then usually you get some jokes back in at the end but that little sag that happens in this game but just kind of tapers off continually i'd argue i know he's your best friend but you do live with him i know <laughs> it's not that i don't like it Ed, it's not that I don't like you. Sorry? It'd just be nice if we could... Fuck. Spend a bit more time together. Bollocks. Just the two of us. Cock it. It's just with Ed here, it's no wonder I always bring my flatmates out and then that only exacerbates things. What do you mean? Well, you guys hardly get on, do you? Now, what does exacerbate mean? It's true, the, the puzzle of the game really falls off and it just becomes about you wanting to experience the story content which is a bit of a shame and i wonder i wonder whether they could have paced it slightly differently so that just for longer you're having to make tricky decisions with your dice and stuff but there's kind of a satisfaction narratively with you building your home on the eye kind of conquering it to a degree so that you can just help out the refugees like you do in the first expansion and you can literally build your home can't you you find a little abandoned unit and then start repairing it oh yeah you've got so many places to stay by the end like you've joined the commune where they they don't trade in money they just grow mushrooms and live off the land sort of <laughs> or yeah i guess if you've got loads of money you can go and stay in the sort of really expensive fancy hotel <laughs> fancy <laughs> fancy sleeping compartments and stuff i did do that once just to see if it gave me yeah, any but then it just cost me loads and didn't do 
anything different to sleeping in the... Yeah. I wondered if that was like a little bit of social commentary there or whether it was just kind of the, the game having a laugh. Well, I thought it might be because the way that in which you navigate the world is you just scroll your mouse wheel and it scrolls along the eye and you can, then you can choose where to go. But there are certain points where you have to take a ferry or a ship over to another bit or climb to the top of a tower or something like this and you have to physically click to move there and having different places to eat and sleep in those different places seemed to be like the most ludicrous quality of life like just in case (laughs) you don't want to (laughs) click a few clicks to get back to your house then we've given you this option as well which i thought it was quite nice didn't take that option very often but yeah it was a less gamey way of doing it than for instance an icon in the top left that you could click to return to base at any time sort of yeah. thing the equivalent yeah, yeah. of world of warcraft's hearthstone do you know what i mean yeah because that's the alternative thing they could have done right it's just like when you want to sleep or when you finish your turn click this and you like teleport to your base or it even could have just been like an end turn button basically yeah but it's, it's trivial isn't it as in the movement is trivial. And it's like, I kind of felt like they were appealing to a different kind of player. <laughs> Again, with the player who has more kind of like maybe imagination to be in the world than one who's like, I'm going to optimise this so that I spend as little money as possible kind of thing, <laughs> which is would be my mindset towards it. Yeah. To be fair, I did tend to just go back to my home every single time, no matter where I was. Same, yeah. Same. And it's weird because it was a strange sense of possession that I had because I'd mm. built that little loft. And even though I could stay anywhere else that kind of felt like my in-game home Mm. (laughs) now i'm saying it it sounds even weirder but also (laughs) once you've completed it and you finish all the upgrades a little cat comes and visits you i don't know whether the universe is just trying to get me to like cats stray (laughs) but yeah i kind of did in the game at least you buy this what is it just cat food for like three crypto or something just little crackers yeah yeah for three chits yeah And then the cat shows up. It does nothing other than give you one moment of, I guess, not a cutscene, but like sort of a narrative cutscene, a few lines of dialogue where you stroke the cat. And then after that, you can keep feeding it and paying money to feed it and nothing happens. But I do every time I sleep there anyway. Yeah, same. (laughs) I did exactly (laughs) the same thing. And, And that's such a nice option, isn't it? Like, I do sort of wish that they'd given me a few more scenes with the cat, at least. Because I thought like, oh, surely once I've fed it 10 days in a row, 20 cycles in a row, that's going to give me something more. Agreed. But it never did. It never did. Maybe they will in the DLC. Yeah, it's true. Either way, it's good, though. Isn't it amazing that it kind of speaks to a degree of humanity, like real humanity in gamers when they're playing? that Mm. uh, does it speak to that or is it just that we think there's something at the end of the chain like maybe it's that we're feeding the cat because it's nice it's at home and there's a cat and it's nice to feed the cat Mm. or maybe as both you and i just kind of confessed to doing we're actually feeding the cat in the hope we get some sort of bonus down the line yeah i think it was a little bit of both i'd resigned myself to there being no bonus but i did it anyway because yeah true it was my ritual in the game yeah yeah Well, we probably should talk a little bit more because I feel like we've kind of covered the mechanics and the way it works in terms of completing actions. Each time you complete an action, there is also either an element of uh, risk or of danger. Yes. And if it's risky, then it loses your energy and makes that deplete faster. And if it's dangerous, it loses your condition. Mm. And although we touched on it just then, the author of the game, the creator, said he wanted it to feel like you were scraping by mm. and i think we both just kind of described how we didn't really feel that except right at the beginning yeah but one of the reasons i think for that like you said you always feel like there's something you can do with a dice roll and one of those things is going to like the space ether which we haven't really mentioned but it's like the digital network of the oh, eye yeah the cloud and it's this little icon you click at the top mm. <laughs> it's funny how a minute ago i'm congratulating them for not having a little icon you can just click <laughs> that would be really gamey and now this is a clickable icon that is really gamey but you click it and you get transported to the sort of cyber network of the eye mm. and in there you can do digital things like tap from people's suits so for instance the Havenage of the Union there are Havenage agents that you can steal data from them from that network and there are what's the other one Yatagan Yatagan the Yatagan is kind of a crime syndicate and they've got agents as well that you can steal their data and then you can sell their data and play it off it's just kind of another space but one of the things about that space is that 
Whereas in the real world, most actions, if not all actions, require a high dice roll. It's like, you're going to fail if you get a shitty dice roll. Mm. In this kind of cyber network, even ones and twos are really useful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why you always feel like there's something you can do. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you get certain perks on the talent tree. So interface, which is your skill for interacting with computers... That allows you a perk of like getting a little bit of money when you do it or getting double the amount of data from one of the agents. And that that means you've got a source of income with your low rolls so that you can maybe use your low rolls to scrape by and then use your high rolls for progressing the story, which is kind of the flow which I got into at the beginning. Yeah, same. So story beats then, because I think this is the meat on the bone, isn't it? Mm. And we already said spoilers, but let's just reiterate, big, big fucking spoilers. Yeah. One of the things I really liked is you've got some options, right? What is your purpose in the game? Most games are like explicit, like this is what you've got to do in the game. Whereas you almost carve out your own purpose in this game. And it seems like initially that that's going to be to escape the eye again. Well, I suppose even before that, it's to escape SNARP, the evil corporation who, what is it, enslaved you? Well, they're trying to track you down, right? Yeah, well, they, yeah. I mean, you volunteered to be enslaved and then they they enslaved you and there's no way to get out. Yeah, it's weird when it's framed like that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I guess you're forced into a position where you don't feel like you have a choice. Not sure who, who I'm sympathetic towards in that. Well, I mean, that theme particularly is played out in quite a few different conversations with different characters in the game. Some of them who are a bit more hostile towards you say mean stuff like that. They say like, well, you signed up for that. Like, what else do you expect to happen? Kind of thing. If you do a deal with the devil. But interestingly, you sort of think of the you that signed up to it as a previous you. Yeah. Right? Like a version of you that doesn't represent your views now. Yeah. Because they're still there. They're still alive. Yeah. And I guess speaks to the story of, or the experience of gender dysphoria that he was talking about as well. Because that's Mm. how people often speak about when they change gender, right? It's like, that's their previous version of themselves. Yeah, it's true, actually. I hadn't thought about that at all. But yeah, that makes total sense in the context of your character. Their old self and their new self, yeah. So S and Arp are that corporation anyway, who are tracking you down because obviously they've spent a lot of money on you and they put out a bounty on your head. Mm. So once you've been on the eye for a little while, sort of just finding your feet, suddenly turns out you've got a tracker on you someone's coming to find you it's a bounty hunter the game knows exactly how many cycles it's going to be until they arrive (laughs) and suddenly you're on the clock yeah that bounty hunter is called ethan what did you make of him today yeah he he's great character i thought (laughs) i Um, loved him as well yeah (laughs) he's basically he's a pretty shit bounty hunter he kind of gets you no problem like he has a gun he's definitely got you bang to rights but then he's like "Mm, maybe i'll just go and have a have a drink before we go like you're not going anywhere (laughs) so i might as well enjoy myself here for a while before i cash in on the bounty and so he ends up going to the bar and then you have another timer which is to pay his tab regularly (laughs) so that you get more time anything else gentlemen we're good my friend here will take the check, though. Have a wonderful evening. Eleven eighty four. Oh, babe, I gotta play that number. <laughs> I'm gonna go wash up. But I'm really interested to hear how that unfolded for you because. This is one of the areas where the game presents you with actually quite a lot of choices. Mm. Like you can run, you can fight, you can just constantly and compliantly agree to turn yourself in. I didn't know which ones to choose. I'm interested to hear which you did choose, but I ended up just seeing how far the game would let me turn myself in. (laughs) Ah, okay. I imagine the outcome's the same, but yeah, I took most of the active, like kind of fighty more fighting options and i think in that scene in particular you make a break for it he shoots you and almost almost hits you and then you sort of freeze and he gets you again this kind of thing oh wow and then he still cuts you a deal okay so i guess you just got a little bit more drama in the midst because i basically hand myself over and he mocks me and he's like i thought you'd be harder than this you know i've tracked you across the galaxy and you're just gonna give yourself in but he constantly thinks it's a trick and there's loads of opportunities to do something else and at every single one i was like 
like put my hands out to be handcuffed like <laughs> agree to walk away it's like you notice the gun he leaves the gun to one side the door's right there and it's like walk with him through the door take the gun and I'm like walk with him through the door <laughs> every single time oh, just wow. to see what would happen because I wondered if the game was like the game saves after each sort of cycle mm. so you can re- reload yeah. and actually I really enjoyed that because it meant I could experience like five or six different endings mm. but yeah this scene was really cool for that reason and I liked that the upshot of it was that he basically wanted to go and get pissed up and yeah. have you pay for his debts mm. he ends up thinking too long about it and they cancel the contract and so at that point you become his only his only hope basically because he's got nothing at that point without you for some reason like he's got no friends on this space station you're the only person he knows and he tries to get you to help him out so what did you do then did you end up helping Ethan well the reason you have to help him out is because he's racked up such a debt yeah. on the island on the assumption you're going to pay it so that the bounty isn't fulfilled mm. but you're not going to pay it because there is no bounty anymore yeah <laughs> so instead he, he pleads for you to just help him pay off his debt and there's a couple of ways you can do it you can just physically pay or you can show up and work or you can do what i did and just think fuck you mate you tried to shaft me so i'll see you later i'm not gonna do either of those things you're on your own boy that's exactly what i did as well because he's so in it for himself he tries to make out like it will be a good deal for you as well like he's offering you protection so he's asking for protection money essentially but i was just like no way i'm not doing any deals with you my friend yeah same because he's so smug about it right down to the line like Mm. maybe it's in part because of the way his portrait is presented where he's got his jacket slung over his shoulder and like this open shirt and (laughs) things but as soon as you see him you just think you smarmy bastard i am not gonna comply with you (laughs) there's one scene where you Wait, you do manage to get his gun and you're pointing at him. Did you get to that? I did, yeah. I can't remember the outcome of it, though. Well, I pulled the trigger, (laughs) wondering what would happen. Oh, yeah, me too. But then it ends up the gun is not... But the landlord's taken the bullets out, hasn't he? Out of the gun, yeah. Anticipating trouble. Yeah. They've unloaded the gun. That was a good moment because Ethan's pretty cocky because he's like you haven't got it in you and all that kind of classic like yeah taunting and then you just pull the trigger it's funny as well because clearly they give you some more options so you can kind of take your time over pulling the trigger i'm guessing i did the same as you which is like the very first opportunity it gave me to fire i was like yeah (laughs) yeah so much for always taking the least evil option (laughs) yeah man well that uh, that, it's true well that one was just so dramatic i couldn't help myself maybe yeah and feels like self-defense kind of feels like morally justifiable in a weird way Mm. in the way that games often make it feel morally justifiable to kill when in real life we probably would really struggle with that yeah i mean i mean he's a real and present danger in the game isn't he if you had some plans or thought you were in a flow of the game before he turns up, he really does put a spanner in the works, doesn't he? You kind of have to, once he turns up, adjust your behaviour according to him. You can't just go off and experience some of the other stories that are, that are happening because what's this person going to do Yeah, if I don't deal with them? And I guess, to be fair, if we were to interrogate the fact that games do sort of justify killing in that way more often, it's that the worlds that you are in in games are basically kill or be killed most of the Mm. time, aren't they? Yeah. In a way that, like, it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, whereas, you know, we wouldn't find that morally acceptable in (laughs) in our world. It's kind of like, well, maybe we would if we were living in those conditions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Can't sit and have a chat to an orc before they slice your head off. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Exactly. Well, so Ethan's storyline is kind of the first big storyline, but you can reach the conclusion of that and he, one way or another, is out of the picture. I'll be interested to see if he re-emerges into the picture because Mm. the way it's left in my game is you just never hear from him again. But I mean, with DLC on the line and him being such a good character, I wouldn't be surprised if he materialises later on. Mm. After that, you've got Basically, the reason his bounty gets removed from him is that S and Arp haven't given up on trying to find you. They've still got your tracker and stuff, but they've decided this other bounty hunter is doing such a good job that they're just going to employ him as staff. <laughs> and so he's, his like full-time brief is to collect their property. He's a repo man, basically. My job is simple. Can't pay for your car. The bank takes it back can't pay for your house the bank takes it back can't pay for your liver 
Well, that's where I come in. Your next sort of story beat is to remove the tracker, right? Which you were probably already trying to do anyway, but yeah. This is where it becomes, you know, you've got so many different branching plots you can choose to do, and the order that you do them is variable. So for me, I chose to prioritise removing the tracker above all else. Mm. But at the same time, you could have prioritised finishing this massive spaceship and trying to win a lottery ticket off the island. Yeah. Or also there's a Moritz and Bliss with their ship bay are trying to get contracts. Mm. There's also a like a crashed ship that you help repair. And the woman on that is trying to take vengeance on someone who betrayed her. And if you help her, then you can get off the eye in that way as well. But the subtext of all those things is you're trying to escape. Mm. And actually, as the game went on, I don't know if you experienced the same thing. Even though I sort of did go through those processes just to have the exit from, you know, that ending, see that side of the game. Mm. Actually, I I realised, and in all my dialogue choices, I started to say, yeah, actually, I'm going to stay here. Like, you guys leave but this is kind of my home now. Yeah, I agree. And I was always really torn at those moments because if you don't take it and you stay on the eye, the credits roll. So it seems like an ending. And I think I texted you at one point, oh yeah, like I've seen the credits. I've just got a few more to do. I think I played five or six hours more <laughs> after I saw the, the credits roll for the first time yeah. and saw them roll a, a couple of times again. But whenever that opportunity was there, I was really torn because I wanted to see what else was out there even if I, I don't know I don't know what what the the end scene would have been if I'd taken one of those options but always I took the option to stay on the eye and so it made sense for the credits to roll and then it for, to just carry on where I left off so yeah I don't know did you do any like reloading or anything like that for those scenes yeah I did I got about five different endings so what happens well it depends I mean most of them go the way you would expect because also you can choose with a lot of the endings so it counts as an ending for instance when the spaceship launches and Lem and Mina Mina get on board the ship and you can get on board the ship as well through some shadowy character that you meet along the way. Mm. But I chose not to do that and they fly off and I stay. Yeah. And that was yeah, a credit roll moment. Too. But then equally, yeah. you can reload and get on the ship and then that's a, a credit end moment. <laughs> ah, you managed to game the achievement system then. So you got the achievements for both. Both I certainly because gave a few I of did. them because I've got at least five or six end game achievements. Yeah, you did game it. Ah, oh, well, I, mean, I don't mind too much, but oh, I didn't. I wasn't trying to game it. I just like would play it and then reload. Like, mm. I mean, is that gaming it? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not going to restart. Like, it's. I think no, to no, get no. to those first ending sequences, you probably need to play around forty cycles minimum. Whereas by the time I kind of decided I'd call it quits, I was around 68, Mm. something like that. And by then I'd seen a lot of endings. But obviously when you've done that many cycles, bearing in mind that each cycle is five actions with your dice, potentially more if they don't demand the use of your dice, Mm. that's a lot of gameplay. You're not just going to restart and play the whole thing back through just to get a different outcome. No, (laughs) no. And to be fair, I did, I started off this game thinking that it was going to be quite short thinking I'm definitely going to replay this game. But by the end, I really felt like I'd done the story justice yeah. for myself and done the game justice. And so I'd played the expansions, like you say, as they come out, but I don't think I'd replay it anytime soon. In the same way that I'd love to replay Disco Elysium, for example, because I felt like there was still so much I didn't experience in that game. Yeah, but this is why right back at the start, you gave it a heartily recommend and I begrudgingly agreed. But the reason that I didn't want to give it a heartily recommend is because the whole time in my head, I was drawing the inevitable comparison with Disco Elysium. And for me, Disco Elysium did... I mean, obviously it's a different story, but not that dissimilar in terms of, you know, you're in a separate world with its own political entanglements Mm. and with various unions going on and that sort Mm. of political manoeuvring going on so it's not that dissimilar and Disco Elysium made the most of being a game in its animations and its voice acting and its characters in what you watched unfold in the talent tree I guess you could call it that wacky talent tree that you had yeah crazy talent tree and this game felt like a board game 
that had been given a lick of paint so that you could play it on a computer. In much the same way as Board Game Arena did a great job of doing that for actual board games, <laughs> especially during the pandemic. So going to throw a recommend out there if you want to play board games remotely with friends. Board Game Arena does a good job. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't have to be Disco Elysium for us to heartily recommend it, does it? No, that's true. That's true. That's like true. what this game does, it does brilliantly. That is a really high bar. And the quality of the writing like was really really good like it was giving me shivers in the same way that I remember all those years ago Disco Elysium wow that is complimentary the way that you end up being able to disable the tracker that we were talking about is through your relationship and story with this person called Feng who's kind of a systems administrator on the eye but anyway this is the longest quest in the game it goes on and on and on throughout all the different locations and on the eye and stuff you feel like you're friends with Feng by the end of it and it says the piece of writing is you're deeply thankful you feel deeply thankful to have made such a friend or something like this and that was like oh I mean I love friendship as a theme anyway but I don't know I really just really like hit for me <laughs> yeah the conclusion of that I've noticed this as a as a theme in any sort of fiction actually is that the things I can relate to the most or, or not necessarily relate to the most but the things that I enjoy playing the most or watching the most or participating in whatever way that I do as a consumer of the art <laughs> are things where there are characters who I like or who I want to root for and it's weird to me that creators haven't clocked that mm. there are so many games I play where almost everyone is unlikable or irredeemable or so many films where this is the same thing you know if you just if you just give people characters they can bond with that Mm. is the emotional heart and the emotional connection that will impel them to keep going through your game Mm. and come out the other side feeling affected by it and i agree i think this game does it really well Mm. not just with feng but with um is it sabine uh yeah the doctor who initially helps you out with the stabilizer they're an interesting character initially i thought they were going to be a friend and then you know things happen maybe they're not yeah even the gangsters though they're sort of criminal <laughs> they're the kind of yakuza of the game the yagatan yeah. even them like when you get to the upper echelons and they sort of encourage you to take part in some of their shakedowns and things you realize they're really nuanced characters and mm. they're quite likable characters in fact yeah Everyone feels like maybe they've made compromises and moral compromises, but that they all have a heart in a way that so often these are just like just characters with names so that you can kill them or so that they perform a function in the story. Yeah, I totally agree. There are loads of characters in this game and all of them have heart. Like there's not a a single one I can think of where I thought... "Mm." They're a bit hollow or a bit shallow. I wondered, because I, I was looking at your achievements, because I w- was like, you got two more... And now I know how you got those two extra hidden achievements that <laughs> that I didn't get. But one I noticed that you didn't get was the... Marvelling at my majesty, <laughs> what you say? You know, <laughs> you know the overlook bar towards the beginning? Oh, yeah. It seems to be just a place you can work. But if you if you work there and work there... And this is the, the one character where I thought, actually, there is a little bit of, of romance going on there. Because you end up brewing this kind of mushroom liqueur there together. And then once it's ready, you sort of sit down and have a drink together with it. And there, there are definitely undertones of, of romance there. Are these Teo undertones of romance or are these actual undertones? Because I remember I at one know. point you suggested it during observation that you were going to get with the main character despite the fact you were an inanimate object i stand by that there were definitely there were definite undertones in that game <laughs> between the ai and your character but yeah well yeah i don't know we'll give us more to go on and we'll we can all make a judgment in what way well, were there undertones let's hear some of these undercurrents of love going on well, with the mushroom brew you're basically both just being a little bit awkward with each other in a way that it's not I don't know, it was just written slightly differently to the to some of the other characters in the game. Like flirting? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if there was actual flirting, but <laughs> it was more just an atmosphere. <laughs> right. such, a, such, a low bar, such a low bar. Man alive, you were reading so far between these lines. No, the wasn't. spacing must have been several pages apart. <laughs> no, I wasn't, I wasn't. But anyway, even that character who initially I didn't go down that route because it didn't seem like... I just thought it was a job. 
Like, I didn't even realise there was a story to progress there. But then it turned out there was, and the character that I thought was just going to turn up for, like, one or two pages ended up having loads and loads of, of screen time. That is cool, and I am going to try and get that job and work through it, because I don't think I did that. Yeah, go and work through it, because um, it's not obvious that it exists, because there isn't, like, a timer or a... So did you get an achievement for that? Yeah, it's called a Free Spirit. Oh, damn. I just huh. thought that was going to be a little achievement surprise for me, but... I'll still unlock it. <laughs> Give me those meaningless internet points. One thing we didn't, despite talking about all these plot arcs and stuff, we haven't actually referenced the way that the game deals with them, which is by calling them drives, right? Yeah, I guess because I never really used that system. So once you've completed an arc or a drive, you get an experience point, which you can spend in your talents. But I don't know, did you like track a drive? I just sort of did them all at the same time. Mostly I remembered where I needed to be, Mm. but there were a couple of times when it felt like I could basically just go anywhere. And I was like, what is the actual place that I need to be at to trigger this action? (laughs) So there were a few times I did that. But yeah, by and large, I didn't. I obviously did do the upgrades, which give you bonuses, buffs to your rolls, plus one, Mm. plus two, whatever. And occasionally another perk like oh, you rolled a perfect score, so you get extra energy or something like that. Yeah. Which are all the kind of gamification parts of it. Which, to be honest, I actually thought worked kind of well. And I was definitely trying to optimise those things to work for me throughout most of the game until near the end, where, like we said, easy peasy. Yeah, it's super light touch, but you can choose between three different characters at the start which have a different... You don't really see it in the game, but they will have a different image. Oh, God, yeah. I totally even forgot about that. Yeah, and they start with, like, certain skills, but all the characters get the same skills eventually. And mine was a more engineering one I think I started off with, so I did kind of role-play into being an engineer a little bit more. Like, if there was an engineering option, I'd tend to take that. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty light touch, isn't it? You're mostly a blank canvas. One thing I'm conscious of just before we wrap is we haven't mentioned the soundtrack which while it isn't out of this world Mm. no pun intended (laughs) it is a pretty solid soundtrack I thought I didn't go and add it to my Spotify but maybe I will still (laughs) certainly when I logged on this evening before we recorded this when I put my headphones on and heard it I was like these are some good tunes They're very sort of Tycho, Kodomo, Boards of Canada. Yeah, ambient styles. Yeah, down-tempo electronic and stuff. Synth-led. And it's it's effective, I think. Yeah. In fact, now I'm talking about it, maybe I will go and add it to a playlist. <laughs> nice. Maybe it'll show up on my next music swap, Tao. <laughs> oh, cool. You almost got that ready. No, I haven't, but oh. <laughs> you know, it's in constant development. For the listeners, this is a little thing that I recommend everyone does because I've benefited from it immensely. But it's basically we just add, what is it, about 10, 15 songs to a playlist and then every couple of months we trade it with our friends to see what they've been listening to and discover new music. It's the kind of thing that if we did have premium content, it's the kind of thing that podcasters share, <laughs> isn't it? What you're saying, what we could do is say, join our Substack. And maybe, if you're lucky, we'll send you a playlist. <laughs> mm. Gotta say, it doesn't excite me. No, that's why we don't do it. Also, if they listen to the pod enough, they probably get an impression of what those tunes would be anyway, because often I just slip them in in the background. Yeah, and there's all the audio references on the episode. In black and white. Oh, fuck, Dave, we're giving it away for free, mate. We should, we should pull it back and charge for this stuff. <laughs> This isn't actually their first game. They've put out another one, which is about exploring under the sea. I can't remember what it's called. It's something like In Other Waters or In Outer Waters, maybe? Oh, if it's Outer Waters, that'd be great. You're what, Outer, outer worlds. worlds? Outer Waters, <laughs> Outer Worlds, yeah. Yeah, I bought it in the Steam bundle because together they were basically the same price that it would have been for one. So yeah, I'll play that at some point. Yeah, I mean, I had a glance at it and thought, yeah, looks all right. And having played this, I'd be more inclined to play it. If we weren't so busy playing loads of other shit. Yeah. Like Teo. <laughs> okay, so what are we playing next? We are playing... We are playing a Plague Tale 
Requiem. A Plague Tale Requiem, yeah. You didn't play the pre the I said prequel, it's not a prequel when it's the first game, is it? But you didn't play the original game. It's predecessor. I did not and I don't actually know anything about it and I haven't started it, so going in completely blank this one. Well, I'll let everyone go in completely blank then. I won't say a word about it here. Looking forward to it. I actually think our audience might have played this game or at least read about it. It is one of the bigger hitters among the games that we choose. Like we sometimes play not necessarily sort of tiny games, but we don't always play the mainstream blockbusters, do we? No. Whereas I feel like this one, certainly this sequel, the original maybe not so much, but this sequel has received a lot of notice. So, yeah, I think maybe our audience might be aware of it already. More so than you, Teo, with your niche gaming. Well, it sounds like it. Usually at least I've read a review or something, but I hadn't even clocked the review of this one. So I'm really interested to hear what you think of it. And I'll leave it there. Good. I do think there is one more thing, though, isn't there, Tay? Oh, yeah. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Ha, ha, ha. Bells on bobtail ring, making spirits bright. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a one-horse open sleigh. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a one-horse open sleigh. I love those J.I. say ye gods Why? ye gods ye gods <laughs> Thor such a like unnatural blah, blah, blah. I'll try it I'll try it I write every script as if it's Seymour Skinner <laughs> delivering the lines 